In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Hello and welcome back to Ausfiz Live from our Brain Guru Studios. Great to have your company. It is time for the call 10 stocks picked by you. I put them to our expert panel. We do it all in one hour. Let's bring in the team for today. Mark Mullen from Team Invest. Mark, how are you, sir? Excellent, excellent. And Jessica Amir from Moomoo. Jessica, how are you? So good. Good. We're sort of winding down to uh, Christmas, but a lot around at the moment, isn't there? Lots of uh, M&As keeping the market on edge. A lot of central bank talk coming out, particularly the US tonight and um, also uh, European banks and uh, central banks and uh, the Bank of England later in the week. Uh, So a lot happening. Uh, Let's look at the five stocks we're going to cover in the first half hour of the show. Integrated Research, Incitec Pivot, ComputerShare, Webjet, and also a question from a viewer on how to invest in the ASX 200, how to mirror it. Um, So that's an interesting one. Uh, Stock of the day. Look, I thought we'd take a a look at Charter Hall Retail REIT. Uh, We've talked about REITs, Real Estate Investment Trust here on a call a lot. They've been absolutely smashed in 2023. Most are traveling at about a 30% discount to their asset backing as fears of what if there are property sales and big devaluations, will um, uh, will that flow through to unit prices? And the markets anticipated that it would. But Charter Hall retail rate um, is expecting operating earnings next financial year to be 28 cents per unit after announcing the sale of two shopping centres for $225.5 million. Now, the property investment management company will sell Southgate Square in South Australia for $91 million and Rosebud Plaza in Victoria for $134.5 Now, Chief Executive Ben Ellis says uh, the sales demonstrate the company's ongoing active asset management and were in line with the valuation as of June 2023. So there was no massive devaluation in these asset sales as has been expected by markets. And that's the reason given why most of these REITs are trading at massive discounts to their asset value. Uh, Do you take some comfort in this, Mark Muller? No, no. <laughs> Why not? not? I thought not this would be a good thing. No, 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 no. All no. of a sudden, we've got a trust that has sold something, assets, sold something, sold something, yeah. two, for, two somethings. Yeah, two somethings <laughs> for what it's valued on their books for. And when was it valued on their books? What, what date? Uh, June twenty twenty three. That's last year. That's this year. Yeah, it's yeah, June yeah. twenty three. Yeah, so yeah. they've sold. Off, I see what you mean. So they've already they've already comp- impaired it, have they? And then well, no, no. They, at they the time in the last valuation, uh, no, no, it wasn't. The, pro- the problem is though with the uh, the discount cash rate. 
for business. With, with interest rates at five percent, these REITs have been pushed down well below their asset value yep. because the market, I think, rightly is assuming that they're not reflecting real value if if you had to liquidate it. Yep. So the asset values are held up because of the there's been no transactions basically, so there's no transactions, there's okay. no price discovery. So yeah. here's, this a is, here's two transactions. That's why I thought I'd do it in stock of the yeah, day. Yeah, okay, it's interesting, interesting, but it wouldn't, it, it doesn't convince me that the discounts on the REITs are not correct. Right. Yeah, I okay. think I think if anything, they they particularly depending on which read it is. If you're in industrial, um, yeah. it, it, it's it's much stronger than retail yeah. or um, like, um, office. Like Goodman. So if you're an office, read, yeah, Goodman's yeah. I think uh, the pick of the reads. But yes. but if you go if you go office reads, uh, I think the discounts are probably not enough, and they'll end up being more eventually when they. But re- retail discounts. Well, retail's a bit harder because it's you know it's they're obviously they're obviously those shopping centres have got very good ten- um, occupancy. Right. They're probably ninety eight percent or something. Right. And they and most of them are in leases, so so the performance of the re- the shopping centres in that case are probably still quite good. Okay. Now going long term, who knows? Right. Yeah. Okay. So but, well, the other problem is if I look at it, our conscious investor is showing a negative eight percent a year return. It's on a twenty-four PE at the moment. Right. So it's at the top of the red, which is very high. Now the earnings have come down; they've really dropped from the year before, eighty-one cents down to fourteen cents in uh, twenty-three, which is back to where they were in twenty twenty. So they had a big run up and then a run down, and their their sales per share has been have been sliding, and that's a good indicator because that's that's negative eight percent a year over the last five years. So sales revenue right. has been going down slightly. That's not encouraging, right? Because then okay. obviously, how do you get earnings growth unless you're running more efficiently or you're actually extracting more profit for every dollar of revenue, and right. that's negative. So that would to me would be negative as well, right? Okay. But overall, the return on equity has been um, so return on capital is two percent, return on equity three percent. It's wonderful. Okay, we don't want at least ten. Right. So we wouldn't touch it. Okay, so this doesn't indicate to you there could be a turnaround. No, I think you're right though. It's interesting. It's a, it's, yeah. a, it's it's a little bit of evidence. Let's see what happens when some I, I, the, the I, market may have I don't react. Buy, I don't buy it. Right. Okay. Yeah. Jessica, do you buy it? No. <laughs> oh, I thought, I thought this was going to be no. the bell for the bottom of the yeah. REIT market. But no, no. neither of you are convinced. No, it's a no for me. Right. So the growth, which March t- uh, touched on, that's that's pretty much there. I don't really see growth really turning around. I do love a property company. I do yeah. love a developer. I would prefer um, industrial exposure, not right. office, not retail. And then the other part of the business that is attractive to some, um, the instos who hold it, they're pretty much holding it for that for that yield. Yeah. I like I. I mean, apart from having some property in the portfolio, you're getting a bit of a yield there, but it's only like six percent growth stock. It's yeah. about seven. So I don't really think it's that compelling. I would prefer to wait and see, you know, the RBA to go, hey, white flag, interest right. rates, interest rates can be cut. Um, and then that'll be a tailwind for the retail space and that'll encourage a lease take up as well. Yep. Um, and of course, property property prices. So do you think REITs are bottom though? Is, it, is that gonna be a turnaround sector for 2024? Or we're yeah. gonna get more of the same? I think there's three different property markets yeah. in, in in the property space. I think the industrials are kind of like, you Which know, haven't been crunched at all. Totally, totally. The the stalwarts, well. yeah. yeah. But the retails and the office, maybe potentially a bottom, maybe Q1, Q2. Right. And I think that's probably going to be um, 
coinciding with some some bad data from right. Australia. That's my take. Um, and the futures are saying, you know, peak unemployment later this year. Um, so later, part of me in 2025, 2024, I'm getting my years mixed up. I'm already excited about the year ahead. So I think that's probably when the market will start pricing in the bottom. Okay. Not yet. All right. Okay. So, so I read one, one thing to that too. This is one other point because you're making me think about that. Yeah. And that is that most of the REITs don't have high debt levels at the moment. So that's good because it, it all comes back to redemptions. Yep. So let's say the market decides REITs are a bad place to be and redemptions go up and forces more sales, that will sort of tend to um, uh, leverage them down. Yep. Right. And that hasn't happened, but so, it could happen. Okay. Uh, well, I don't mean specifically for the REITs, but if we have a market downturn, people yeah. go grab money wherever they can. Sure. And then you get a few of them saying, oh, we're freezing redemptions. And that's a, that tends to panic everybody else. Yeah, that certainly does. No sign of that at the moment, we should, no. should say. All right, no. let's get into uh, the first stock that you want us to uh, take a look at. And Darren wants a view, Mark, on integrated research. He says forecast growth for 24-25 is positive. What do you think of it? This is um, um, a, a, a don't half quite yet. Uh, a mission critical communications sort of platform for big companies. Yeah, look, IRA. I've got a bias about it because I lost money on it. I was oh, a shareholder, right. oh, okay. and it was. So a, you've got it, investor remorse. I have investor remorse, okay. and it was it was a very good company up until COVID, right. and it's the only company that I would say Team Invest generally liked um, that did badly. Right, the only one, yeah, through uh, through COVID, and they really took a hit. Now we were shocked because. Their strength was that they have like Bank of America and Visa, MasterCard, and Amex. They've got all the, these absolute major financial blue chips who they provide critical monitoring of systems for. The argument was, God, hang on, look at that COVID four dollars eighty. Yeah, down to, to down to thirty two cents. Thirty two cents. Yeah. Wow. Yep. So they it was so the, first of all what happened it was to just going to cut a long story short here they they it was to do with the way they were dealing with receivables because they would a lot of tech companies do this they would sign a let's say a ten year contract for ten million dollars and they would book ten million dollars revenue even though they're only going to receive at one million a year for the next ten ah, years. So they would book it up front. Yep. Yep, and then what happened? That, that that's okay. No, we don't like that, by the way. So that was one of our big criticisms of them because it really distorts what's yes. going on. Yeah. So you're sort of amortizing. You're bringing the. You're taking it off each year. You're amortizing it over the period. It's nothing illegal about it. A lot of the companies do that. But the problem was during COVID, none of their contracts renewed for term. So they didn't renew for five or ten years like they normally do. They renewed for one year because they're all going, oh, holy shit, excuse my expression. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, we've COVID, we're already worried about how do we manage our office workers at home. You yeah. know, at least so they, they cut the liability. And of course, what that meant was what was a $10 million contract was now a $1 million contract. Right. So their cash flow hardly changed, but their revenue collapsed and their right. profitability collapsed. And you go, hello, it's gone. And then they had a management change and then you thought, oh, it'll bounce back. It hasn't. And then I was reading. They still got the clients, though. They have, Uh, but 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 what's happening is they have a major, major headwind in that these guys aren't SaaS providers. Uh, They're not doing software as a service. They're providing providing on-premise security, which is valid for banks and stuff like that. They don't all go to the cloud, but there is a significant drain from their clients and also from their prospective clients who are shifting to cloud. Right. And that's not them. No. So they're tied. They're being disrupted. Right. And I read it I was, I, because the question was asked. I thought I'd go yeah, and yeah. read, read up the latest and it was like, woes. 
Right. So I wouldn't be brave enough to buy it as a. I mean, even up. Even though the, the earnings will probably pick up, and it, and it may do quite well from here because it's so low, yeah. and it's still got some good attributes. They've got great clients and so on, but right. it's been a disaster. Yeah. 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 All yeah. right. You have a recovered psychological well, I wouldn't, from it. Well, I wouldn't, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to go back and. <laughs> and I wouldn't want to go back and reinvest because it's, it's. There's been nothing there that's made us feel inspired. And okay. Yeah. Jess, are you inspired? No. <laughs> I hope, so, I'm not putting you off. I hope. Uh, no, already already did my due diligence, and it's it's a no from me. It's right. bearish, and it's on the basic fundamentals. It's not growing its earnings, and if you go back to that chart from 2020, the market was actually pricing in and waking up to the fact that they're not growing their customers. Earnings drive share price growth. Since 2020, their revenue has been declining, and that is on like a headline revenue basis. Yep fundamentals obviously um you know move first technicals move second and then the the market was already expecting that to continue not winning contracts um losing contracts and they haven't future proof their business so, so it is remarkable a company like this didn't do a SaaS product is yeah. that's what well, everyone's well, yeah. wanting hasn't it and so the market's saying, well, it's recurring revenue. That's how we're going to judge companies like yours. Yep, recurring revenue is definitely key. And that's been front and centre for 2023, dealing with high interest rates. But to be fair, they do have Woolies on their books. So <laughs> Woolies, Woolworths. That'd be a little If that means anything to you, yeah. yeah. I'll tell you what's surprising too. If you look at their profitability, it's a very, it's not a big business. I, mean, I think the market cap's like 60 million or something now. It's oh, really small. Right, right. Considering the clients they have, they obviously don't charge much. Now, we used to think that was a plus because then if you're if you're providing a critical service, you don't charge much, no one's ever going to change. That, yeah. was, a, that was a theory. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the, you're right, though, because they've been focused on big companies who are on premise, that's been their game. COVID has absolutely accelerated the uh, the shift to uh, cloud and remote working and all the rest of it. So yeah. it's sort of thrown everything. It's thrown the toys out, out of the uh, basket. So I think they've been a bit shocked. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure they have, they're developing products, but they're now playing... They're playing catch up, real catch up. But, sorry, can I, can I say credit where credit's due? I don't want to um, slam a, a company totally uh, down the gurgler. But to be fair, they have actually seen an increase in their revenue this year. Yeah. Um, but I think it's part and parcel uh, with you know some of their costs have come down, and they are you know cost reducing. But um, yeah, a lot of a lot of that has been growth overseas but then from a technical perspective i'm not saying it would be a buy for me long term but for those that are looking for a technical buy um this is one to watch so in uh technical analysis terms we look at moving average convergence divergence and it's basically kissing um a technical line and if it crosses above that it's likely to rally look back at history over the past five years, every time it's crossed above this line, it's rallied. So what's that about 35 cents, 32 cents at the moment? What's the... The moving average convergence divergence, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So it's a bit above this. Yeah, so it's, it's, pr- it's pretty close. Okay. It's All very, right. very, very close. So if you're it's a chartist... It's literally touching it. Mm, okay. All right. Let's get on to our second stock chain once of you. Uh, Jessica on Incitech Pivot. Uh, Shane says, been contemplating a buy at these levels. The upcoming equity return from Wagaman sale is trading at close to uh, Dyna Noble book value. 
Uh, of course, Incidec Pivot is the big manufacturer of explosives and fertilizers. Um, it's 15% of the global uh, explosives market. It's big, isn't it? It is. Big, bickies. Yeah. But it's... um actually focused on its fertilizer business. And interestingly, it's just sold uh, or settled on the sale of uh, one of their ag businesses and part and parcel, they're gonna return about a billion dollars to shareholders. So that'll support the company's shares. So if you think about that $1 billion uh, return to shareholders, 500 mil of that is a buyback and 500 mil is a distribution. Thanks for coming, very nice. Uh, but today they just announced a new CEO and managing director. Um, and you probably might recognize him. He's from BHP. Um, right. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Mauro Neves. Right. Neves. It's CFO, was it? One was it CFO? The, one of the CFOs of BHP. Let me double check. Leadership. Yep. Yeah, leadership right. at BHP's uh, Escondida Copper uh, Coal Project. Right. And he's also been um, at Vale. Okay. But if you think about the financials, uh, their revenue growth was actually uh, not very good this year. Uh, so that also explains why their shares uh, have been a bit lacklustre, a bit on the nose. But um, if you think about their year ahead, our fertiliser earnings are expected to go back to um, peak levels. So why is that? So they're forward-looking contracts their forward-looking contracts um, are beating expectations. So they've got a strong pipeline there, which is really good. And costs for their fertilised business. So think about what are their outgoings. So a lot of their outgoings are gas. And so there's uh, positive news for gas prices, for those that are paying gas prices. Yep. Um, so yeah, all in all, the fundamentals are, are looking quite good. Okay. Yeah. I also like that it's tightly held by a lot of instos. So if you have a look, there's about 175 instos on the on their books. So all in all, about 25 major core shareholders like Vanguard, State Street, basically okay. from ETFs. So a buy at these levels? Uh, no. I, I would say it's a hold. Yes, you're building it <laughs> up there. And then, uh... I, yeah, I would say um, I think the market is waiting for to make its next move up because we're waiting to right. see what they want to be the major growth driver of the business, fertilizers, and they've just sold off some of that business. We're waiting to see more detail on how they're going to grow that business. Right. We know the mining um, explosives division is continuing to grow in Australia and the US, tick, tick, tick. Um, and that's gonna play, um, see a nice recovery with mining services to okay. increase. So but a hold for you. Hold. Right. Uh, it's a fairly mediocre company. And if you look at their history, um, I was just looking at their earnings. They jumped up very strongly in 21 to 22, then dropped halfway back in 23. Prior to that, you'd be generous if you said they were flat. So basically they were slightly negative for six, seven years. So I'm looking at a 10 year chart. Right. So the company just really hasn't performed well. It doesn't pass our minimum requirements on return on equity and return on capital, which are 10. They're 8.8 .8 on ROE and 6.8 on uh, return on capital. And their stability of earnings is not very good. It fails on that as well. Right. And debt, they've only got 2.3 years of interest cover. So if they took all the free cash flow to, um, um, uh, 
uh, interest cover. So it's how many how many years they, they can pay the interest with current earnings, and it's only two point three. That's a fail for us. Right. We okay. want at least five. Hmm. So not to say they'll have any problem, but it must mean because I just had a look at their debt to equity is only thirty percent, but it's thirty two percent of market cap. Mm. So there's, they're actually, that's quite high. And I, it, it would infer they must be paying a reasonably high interest rate, but I don't know, I haven't looked. But um, So return-wise, it's at the moment we're showing, if you uh, look at it on margin of safety, 6.8% a year, and it's paying a 5% dividend. So you get a little bit of capital gain. It doesn't reflect that 500 or the billion dollar sale of the business. But the other side of that is how, how, many, how much are they losing in earnings for that? I don't know. Right. So yeah. there's the count of them, but it's not yeah. counting that. So they'll be probably better next year with the, with the share buyback and the special dividend and 30% on default, uh, which is the more optimistic version, which is then quite good. But it fails our, because it fails our key, some of our key filters, key we wouldn't, we wouldn't don't even look yeah. at it. Okay. Um, Sienna wants a view, Mark, on computer share, the big, uh, administration, financial administration company, corporate trust, stock transfer, employee share plans, uh, share registries they look after for, uh, for major listed companies. Yeah. Um, does that get you excited? No. It's another mediocre company. It's not right. a bad company. Right. Uh, but it's just mediocre. It's, it's got, um, it, it, it's, it's on a P of 17, which for them is at the bottom of the green. So it's for their normal trading range, over 26 times is in the red. So that gives you an idea of where it's at. So it's for it, it's on a low rate. It's return on its growth average for the last six years has been 4.2 per year, which is less than inflation. That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. You know, these days, 4% growth rate doesn't cut it in my view, at all. And sales have been growing at 4.4 with good stability. Um, and what else? Then they've got a very high debt level. So the debt level is 118% debt to equity, and that's 27 of market caps. So that's quite a high debt level. The problem with any companies now that have reasonably, relatively high debt levels with interest rate, the interest rate changes, you assume when they roll it over, it'll have a much bigger impact on the profitability when they only have, you know, if it's, it's fairly, fairly narrow so profit we talk, or growth. So we talk about a mortgage cliff. But what you're saying is a lot of companies, there's a corporate cliff oh, as well absolutely. as they roll yeah. over their cheap loans into more expensive loans. That's right. So if you look at it, I can their, uh, their market cap earnings, here we go, their sales are $4.7 billion and they're making $847 million on that. So that's about 20% or something. Yeah. So that's that's not bad. So they should, they'd be okay. But if a company has a narrow profit margin, like a 2% or something like that, which lots of them do, and your debt rolls over a higher level, goodbye profit. Yep, yeah. Yeah, yep. So that's where you've got to be careful, but not the case with this one, just no. mediocre. So in the annual reports, now you've got to go to the notes to the accounts well, you, to find you, you, out when the debt well, rolls over. If you over, see it, a high debt, particularly if it's over 75% yeah. debt to equity, so it was a high high debt rate. Like Domino's got caught. Yep. You know, so Domino's, now they, were, they, they tried to put prices up uh, by inflation and remember they had a backlash yeah. and that didn't yeah. work and they sort yeah. of backed off and had to look at costs and other, other ways but they had a very high debt level wasn't a problem until interest rates went up and now it is a problem yeah uh, Jess computer share so you spoke about a mortgage cliff so they've just sold off their mortgage business right so that is how they're going to uh, return cash and free cash to their balance sheet. And so if you have a look at their balance sheet, they could potentially return 2.5 bill to shareholders at the end of next year. Mm. Um, so that is a tailwind. So my spidey senses say that, that that could see the company turn around. Also, I mean, think about income, that could pick up. 
Um, if the Fed futures are right, the, the market is pricing in that the Fed will cut interest rates in May. And so then in June, you could potentially see their, their income or their <coughs> margins lift as well, coinciding with that. But I think you probably need to see market activity to pick up in their core business <coughs> to see a material lift. Right. And then if you look at the technicals, they're very uh, bullish, if I can say that. So they've been oversold, even though they're down about 7%, but they've just crossed what could be seen as a very bullish signal, 200-day moving average. And when we see a company cross that level, we typically see a quant buying. So that's something to keep your eye on. Um, it is tightly held about... 25% of the book. So you've got Aussie Super, BlackRock, Vanguard, etc. all the big ETFs hold it. There's not many quality tech companies in the ASX 200. And so by virtue, that's going to be purchased every quarter. Um, so if you are looking for a steady as she goes company, this could be one to watch. Potential strong uptick from a technical okay. perspective. So you'd have it as a buy? I think there's better opportunities, but yeah, if if you're if you're hungry, you you could buy it. <laughs> <laughs> if you're hungry, um, if you want a boring stock, it's well, a buy. If you, if you want a steady as she goes, then, then right. it's yeah, it's it's a marriage basically made in fundamentals picking up and technicals. <clears throat> All right, a steady buy. We'll put it down to. All right, uh, Jordan wants a view on Webjet, something completely different, the online travel business. Okay, this is an interesting one. So their B2B business has been growing really strong. It's actually 50% earnings. Sorry, its earnings are 50% above pre-pandemic. So that's how they make most of their revenue, Koshi. And a lot of people, I think, mm. ignore that. And that's why a lot of instos love this company. So 70% of earnings coming from B2B. Right. The problem is the consumer business. It's not back at pre-pandemic levels. Um, and that's taken a hit. It reflects its share price and goes without saying, uh, unfortunately, the, um, the war um, in the Middle East um, reflected their, their share price hit. So you basically need to see customer growth to come back for it to, for it to hit those highs again. <coughs> they have flagged potential a potential pivot into something that could potentially cost them a little bit more money, uh, focusing on beds, which basically means accommodation. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if that's going to... It's sort of, they start an equivalent of sort of booking.com, yeah. didn't they? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Okay. totally. Um, its PE says it's pretty expensive, uh, but if you have a look, consensus uh, is expecting a 20% pickup in their shares over the year ahead. Um, I'd be looking to see from a technical level if it can cross above, oh, where it's hit today, $6.84 and hold above that. Why do I say that? Because that's actually their 100 day moving average. And that's kind of been where the company's been like failing to like, punch through Pop above, if it right. punches above that um and the and the earnings are growing like the company says then that that is a positive year ahead from a from fundamentals right. and technicals okay so what would you have it as i'd have it as a buy buy mark uh well i definitely wouldn't have it as a buy right. uh the the reason is that the whilst uh, what jessica said was if this happened if that happens if this happens that's all great. Yeah. <laughs> we sort of work on what has happened and then say, is that going to continue happening? 
yeah. if you get bonus things like that, it's great. But you can't buy yeah. something. I can't buy something on the basis of what might happen. Yeah. So with uh, WebJet got obviously completely smashed during COVID, just like corporate travel and flight centres. So you got to give them, you know, they, they they went into a loss. And if you look at the loss. Uh, it was pretty big, yeah. so they lost. Uh, and by the way, there was differences between them. You see, if you look at the players, uh, corporate travel lost the least, flight centre lost a hell of a lot, and so did these guys. So their per share loss went from uh, in 2018, they, their earnings were 26 cents, then 34 in 19, then minus 41, minus 21, then back to seven, and then last last period 20 cents. Right. So they're not, they're not back to pre-COVID yet, but they're hitting back quickly. And there's no reason why they won't. You'd assume they'll go back to pre-COVID. The problem is they're on a 30, they're on a PE of 33, which is, you could argue, well, they're on a PE of 33 and the earnings are going to increase next year. I'm sure they will. Uh, and then that PE will come down if the price doesn't go up. Mm-hmm. So then it might come back to 20. Yeah. That'd be, and then, okay, is that, is it worth 20? But it, if you look at their EPS growth rate prior to, um, to, COVID, it wasn't that good, really. It was uh, it had a couple of good years, but then it went down a bit. It wasn't anywhere near enough to justify a PE of, of 30 or more. So if you look at the PEs historically, they've, they've been quite high for a long time. Like in 18, it was 39, 37 in 19, 100 in 23. And the reason it was so high is because the earnings were so low and people didn't say, I'll then sell it down to get it to a reasonable PE. You know, the market's forward looking. Sure. Yeah. So it's saying, well, it's going to come back, just like corporate travel yep. and flight centre. Uh, as a choice, uh, I would go for corporate travel. Right. I think that's okay. a, that, that's mm. way way stronger, way better position, and will make. I think we'll give a much much higher return over the next five years than Webjet would. Okay. All right. Uh, and our final. Um, well, it's not really a stock. Peter wants a view on the ASX 200 index and. Should he be getting into an ETF and betting on the index over, do you, basically, do you see the market higher over the next next year or so? Probably. Right. But that's a, you know, I think, you know, Buffett's always said, you know, most investors should buy index funds. If you right. want to be a know-nothing investor, buy an index fund. If you want to be a know-something investor and do the, make the effort, then stock picking will give you a better result, for right. sure. Right. But the vast majority of people should buy indexes. And the reason they should is that they'll tend, if they have bad behaviour, like buying high, selling low, all those sorts of things, or panicking, they won't do as well as the index. Right. So the S&P 200 is the top 200 companies here. And I, I would, or who knows, but... If you're asking, if you look at the history, it has way, way, way more positive years than negative years. So there's yeah. an absolute bias to growth. Right. So it's probably going to be fine. And if interest rates come off a bit next year or whatever, it's presidential election year in the US, there's plenty of things I could argue why the market will continue stronger for longer, but who knows? Right. Anything can happen. Okay. So it's okay. Yeah. You can buy the S&P. Right. Now we've got the ASX chart, which, which isn't the... Um ASX 200, yeah. the S&P, that's a bit mis- misleading. That's the company. Uh, that's the yeah, ASX that's a company. company. Yeah, yeah, uh, which, which isn't what uh, Peter's after, apparently. Um, Jess, what do you reckon? Would you buy a, yes. uh, an ASX 200 index fund? Yep, the XJO bullish. Couple right. reasons. Right. So one, earnings. So if you look at the makeup of our ASX 200, think about big boys and girls, the top 10, right? So the top 10, who are they? They're miners, they're banks, they're healthcare companies yep. that were smashed because of Ozempic discriminately. Yep. And then you've also got our biggest tech company, Block, which is making money from Bitcoin. And so all these four areas are likely to continue to grow their earnings over 2024. 
And so that obviously will drive the ASX 200 likely higher, very, very likely. And then you think about uh, the tailwind. So, you know, employment is actually pretty strong. Unemployment is not expected to mm. peak, as in employment to maybe tank, I say tank very lightly, still pretty solid employment, right? And so that also supports spending in our services sector. And also, um, if you think about where I'm going with this, why on earth am I talking about this? The RBA cutting, um, yep. so that'll be a huge tailwind for earnings margins increasing all in all for the ASX 200. Okay, but then so just, you see a good year ahead. Yep, but also copper, copper and gold um, uh, are likely to have a turnaround year in 2024. Okay, all right. Um, gold stock coming up very shortly. Uh, let's recap the uh, the first five stocks and stock of the day. Uh, Charter Hall Retail uh, read a no from both Jessica and Marka, even after the sale of a couple of shopping centres. Uh, integrative resources, uh, integrative research a no from Mark, a no from Jessica. But if you're a um, a technical sort of trader, you look at the charts, uh, the chart is showing it could be a buy at the moment. Uh, Incitec, a hold from Jessica, no from Mark. Uh, computer share, a steady buy, a steady as she goes by, if you're after that, from Jessica, uh, a no from Mark. Webjet, uh, a buy from Jess, a no from Mark. He prefers corporate travel in that sector. Um, and ASX 200 outlook, Jessica's very, very bullish. Um, Mark, not so much. Oh, I'm, I'm, fairly, I'm fairly bullish. Uh, fairly I was saying I was, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy it because we're stock pickers. Right, okay. All right, here on the call, we've been tracking our own high conviction fantasy funders picked by the investment committee. Uh, December committee meeting is on the platform, ozbiz.com at the moment. At that meeting, a uh, couple of new buyers and sells, ResMed, uh, car sales group and John's Ling were those that were added to the portfolio. Uh, profits taken on West Farmers, RPM Global and MA Financial. And the fund is up about 13% at the moment. This half hour, uh, DeGray Mining, Rio Tinto, Universal Stores, Commonwealth Bank and Iris. And just David wants a view on a gold stock. Uh, DeGray Mining, what do you think of that? WA based. What, eight and a half million ounce resource? Really? Um, yeah. I yeah, like mate. it. I, I like DeGray. I was actually at the uh, listing ceremony and I and I wish I, I wish I bought it. So 40% of Instos actually own this company. So there's not many gold stocks that have got a 40% Insto holding. I will tell you oh. that for a fact. 15% of that Insto holding, mind you, is actually Gold Road Resources. So potential uh, takeover there. So keep your eyes on that. But um, think about the fundamentals. So gold, US dollar, inverse relationship, right? So the US dollar, it's down almost 10%. Gold's up, recently hit a record, probably gonna hit more records next year if history repeats itself, which is very likely um, if the Fed cut cuts interest rates. So right. the last three times the Fed's cut, um, gold has rallied. In 2019, interestingly, look at that chart there. In 2019, the gold price rallied 61% to a new all-time high. Bob's your uncle, Fanny's your aunt. Mamushka, all the gold stocks went up, no surprise. So keep your eye on DeGray Mining. 
Um, I do think it's a buy. I'm bullish. Okay. Is um, that one of your preferred gold stocks? Yes. Right. Uh, yes, in Australia, not globally. Right. So, um, and opportunistically, for those looking for a pullback, so we know that strong, hotter than expected US jobs data that came out that caused its shares to pull back because the US dollar went up, gold right. went down. So uh, you could potentially be buying it at cheaper levels now. Okay. All right. Uh, doesn't make any money. So it's got 10 years of losing money and they've got, they've, I read a little bit about their uh, their prospects. Sounds good, but you know, what does that mean? You know, so until they actually, there's a big, these guys have been explorers really until they start mining. They're not mining anything. No, there's no, there's no, there's no, revenue. There's no revenue. They're, they're linked to, that they are, but they're linked to the gold price. Well, the, at the moment though, there's no, um, I'm just looking at earnings. So, although, sorry, they're still losing money. Though. So if they're mining, they, they lost 10 million in 22, 18 million in 23. So they're still losing money on whatever they're doing. Yeah. So if they can to turn that into a profitable long-term business, they have to demonstrate they can do it. Right. So from our point of view, we you, will show no interest until, until they Yeah, because it's speculative until then. You know, we have yeah. no idea whether they'll actually make a profit. But it's not actually pure play. So if we, if we just think about those that are watching that are thinking about specky stocks, because I know a lot about those, um, specky stocks to some people at home might be those who are not making any money. They are making revenue. It's just they're not making a profit. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, okay. I, I will yeah. just say that because yeah, I know yeah. some it, it, Having revenue is better than no revenue. But yeah. at the end of the day, obviously, if you're not making a profit or free cash flow, you're going backwards. Yeah. So the other thing too, yeah. just on this, and I think gold, you were talking about gold relationship with the US dollar. It's It seems a lot less predictable than it used to be, but they also got Bitcoin in there and so on. And you look at what has happened to Bitcoin this year. I wonder how much money has been taken away from gold that used to, people who would invest in gold for the uh, insurance for the trade yeah. is going into crypto. Uh, I, I think that's quite possible as well. I mean, gold's gone up a little bit. And if you look at the return over the last few years, it's been terrible yeah. because it goes up $100 and say, oh, gold's gone up. It's like, but no big deal. Yeah. It's a quite small percentage. So it hasn't, it hasn't shown any decent returns from, from uh, what I've seen, say, compared to Bitcoin, as an example. I'm not yeah. a buyer of Bitcoin, but it's just, no. they, they have definitely, there's definitely some money, I'm sure, has bled from gold into yeah. crypto. Okay. How much right. do you uh, Howard wants to know, um, Mark, what you think of, Rio, Rio Tinto. Yeah. This is a miner that does make revenues I've heard of them. I've and, heard of them. and yeah. does make profits. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and Rio's profits. Look, look um, I've got members who don't have Rio. We tend not to like Rio and BHP uh, because their price tag is on commodity risk price, price risk on commodities. But look, yeah. that's an individual decision you make. So if you think iron ore prices are going to stay up or at a level where Rio can still make plenty of money, and they, they you know, the a lot of forecasters say they will, but whether they do or they don't, who knows? Yeah. The trouble is, at the end of the day, how profitable they are is very much dependent on uh, the commodity prices. That's just a fact. Sure. So uh, Rio, if you look at it on our uh, models, it's showing 11.3% return uh, on our default and 68 on safety. So that's not spectacular. It's okay. Yeah. Um, and at the moment, the PE is 14.7 at the top of the uh, PE range. Yeah, so that's that's a, expensive. Almost for a five-year high. It is for Rio. And they were. If you look at look at it, it's they've got EPS growth's been 12%. Came off in the last two years, which was a change in price for the commodities. But it's very very profitable. So they're they're, they're spitting out lots of money. They're paying. They're only paying 4.4% yield now based on the current price. Right. There was a while there they were paying eight or nine percent because the share mm. price was a lot lower. Yeah, yeah. So I just think it's 
from a timing point of view, I'd, if you were if you were going to buy a Rio, I would wait till it got into the um, the lower PE range, which it does every year. You know, these, these yeah. and if to get a ten percent return on a margin of safety, we've got it at one hundred and ten dollars. Uh, one ten ninety four to get ten okay. percent on a margin of safety. It's currently one hundred and twenty eight dollars. Yeah. Could it go back to one hundred ten easily? If yeah. you look at if you look at the last couple of years, the share price people so they forget they anchor with the current price. But if you actually look at what it's done over the last few years, the highs were uh, one hundred and twenty nine trailing twelve months and one hundred and two now. So it's close to the all time high. Or nearly all time high. Yeah, five. And then 80, 87 in 22, 87 in 21, 72 in 20. So, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And the PE comes off as well. So, if you're going to buy them, you want to buy them when they're in the low range of their normal trading PE. Okay. Mm. Jessica? Wise words, buying the pullbacks. I like yeah. that. Yeah, but it's, but it's more rational than just saying buying a pullback. Yeah, it needs yeah. to be a, in this case, it'd need to be pretty, a fairly substantial 20%. I don't think it's going to pull back. I think it's going to have a, a comeback year in terms of its profit. So remember, um, if you are a shareholder, if you've been watching the stock, BHP, Rio Tinto, FMG, no surprise, their profits fell very hard. And that's because of China's, you know, the demise of their property sector. So think about the makeup next year of how they make their revenue. It's not going to change too greatly. 54% revenue from iron ore. Um, and then... Uh, 25% from aluminium, aluminium if you're American, 11% from copper, <laughs> and the rest is from diamonds, etc. Right. But think about uh, the price recoveries in those, and that's why you've seen, Koshi, that share price recovery, yep. because we've seen an uptick in the iron ore price, aluminium, and copper is slowly starting to rise. So why am I talking about copper given 54% of their revenue? is from iron ore. Um, the iron ore price is not expected to be um, a gangbuster next year. And that's important for their revenue yep. because the iron ore price this year average 113. Next year, maybe, depending on who you ask, around $110, $100. But their copper price is what's probably going to be the kicker, the hot source for their revenue picking up. So copper imports actually rose into China for the first time in two years. That's huge. So this is something to watch. And if we see um, uh, output increase, um, pumping out output and they're, they're selling those tickets, um, then that revenue could offset the pullback that we've seen in copper. And then, of course, the US dollar, if that continues to come away, yeah. copper continues <clears throat> to rise, tailwinds are there. So would you buy it at these levels at a five-year high? Uh, if if you or, are looking if you are looking That's for right. a dividend payer, then as steady as she goes, you want to go on a holiday once a year and then collect their dividend. Then then that's something for you. But for growth, uh, it's not exactly going to shoot the lights out. But right. steady as she goes, so you'd have it's a, a hold, right? <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Oh, would you? You're you're saying it's not going to shoot the lights out. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I personally wouldn't buy it. Right. I'd buy it for a dividend. So it's a hold. Okay. All right. Um, let's go retail now. Universal stores, uh, Mark. Um, Lindsay wants a view on that. Uh, uh, sort of brands like Champion, uh, Tommy Jeans. That's for that uh, youth, youth end of the market. Yeah. 
pointing my way. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah uh, well, we like the, we like the category. You know, we yeah. like retail because we've done very well on retail and uh, brands. But the, the, they've only been going for three years. So they, the earnings have been flat f- since they uh, listed. So there's no way, is there enough information there to draw any conclusions? Their basic return on equity and stuff's okay. So uh, all, that, all their numbers apart from debt, which is 57%, which is pretty high for a retailer, particularly seeing they only listed um, three years ago. You know, so normally when you list and you raise lots of money, you wouldn't think they'd have a lot of debt. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, most of our retailers that we like don't have any debt. Yeah. So anyway, although, although that could be, um, could be leases too. So yeah. to, be, to be fair, <laughs> uh, with the change in accounting standards, that makes it, uh, and because they haven't been listed before that, I can't see the difference. Right. Yeah. So not for you, too early. Not yeah, it's too early. Yeah. No, I have no view on it at all. Okay. I think in the retail space, there are far more compelling opportunities. So it's a no for me for this one. If you are looking specifically for retail, I mean, there's plenty of other brands that you could look at. JB Hi-Fi is, is, is one. Um, Premier Investments is, is another. But uh, why it's a no... We do have good retailers we do. in this country. We do. We have some really well We're so ones. blessed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, uh, I will say, um, yeah, it's, co- it's costs are up. Um, they did see strong sales, like a lot of retails, a lot of retailers because of Black Friday, Cyber Monday. But is that a reason to buy? I think no. No. Are you still? You've always been a big fan of La Visa. Are you still? Oh uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, more um, JB Hi-Fi and a couple Nick's, others. Nick yeah. Scarlett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. So we've got. There's a few that we really like that have done really, really well. Right. Uh, La Visa, not so much. We we looked at it. We looked at it recently. Right. But it's expensive. Yeah. You know, so it's on a much higher PE than the other guy. So you then look at it and go, well, okay. is there a justification for that? Sure. And I would say no. Okay. All right. Dan wants a view, Mark, on uh, Commonwealth Bank, biggest uh, of the listed yeah, banks. Yeah, well, we haven't liked the banks for a long time, and that's been very, it's been a very good thing mm. in that uh, there's been, they've deteriorated over the, over the years. The return on equity has gone down. And, uh, CBA is, the str- I would say, the strongest of the big banks. Uh, take Macquarie out, which is not part of that, but Macquarie's done really well. Mm. <laughs> so uh, we, we have a different view on Macquarie. We're showing CBA returning negative 3% a year for the next five years on a margin mm. of safety and 6% on our default settings. It's currently on a 18 PE, which is right on the borderline of the red of the top quarter. It's expensive. Right. So now the trouble is with banks, because their earnings are flat, a CBA has been growing at 4.7% with with good stability, which by the way is a lot better than NAB and ANZ. Yep. So they've got the best growth at 4.7, but it's still pretty pretty anemic. Mm. And their sales grows minus 1.2. So they're losing revenue, yeah, and that's probably all the contenders who are chomping away at them, you know, like t- the tyros of the world, everybody, there's lots of them. Um, uh, and they're ma- so they're eking a bit more profit out of it, but it's still pretty yeah. mediocre. And competition. And it's very, and it's very flat. So look at the 10 years, it's pretty flat, which is consistent. And the dividend then is 4.2, which to me, 4.2 doesn't cut it anymore because we're inflation still six, it's below inflation rate. Yeah, yeah, okay. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, I'd buy it, I'll tell you what I'd buy it for if you want to give you a price. Yes. So if, if we want 10%, which I would, on a margin of safety, I couldn't pay more than uh, $56.33. 56? Yep. That's it's half it's of what it is that's now. That's what it's worth from wow. our, our view. So you reckon to put capital, overvalued to put capital by double? <laughs> well, t- well I, some wouldn't agree that you want a 10% return on a margin of safety. Some might say that that's uh, too gr- aggressive. 
Right, but we like getting at least 10 on margin of safety, which usually means we get 20 on our default. Right, okay. So in GFC, I bought it in the GFC, and yep. I got much better than that. Right, Because okay. it, you know, it totally tanked out, and then it was fantastic. I didn't keep it long enough. I should have kept it for a few more years than I did. Yeah, okay. Uh, but I wouldn't hold it now. All right, Jessica? I agree. Are you a fan of Combank? No. I mean, I bank with them. Right. I bank with them, but uh, that's about it. It's it's not a buy for me, not a buy for a div, not a buy for growth. Um, and the reason for that is uh, margins, right? So we when we look at banks, we look at their net interest margin. How much are they getting from 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 loans uh, versus how much they're paying out in interest? And that net interest margin has actually been declining for some time, and that is not very attractive uh, for long term growth. So that's there, um, and their bad debts are also continuing to rise. Headwind. Yep, headwind. Bad and doubtful debts probably going to continue to rise for as long as that lag effect of interest rates is happening, hip hop and happening, and that's probably not going to continue. That's that's probably going to continue until we see, you know, until we see rates rates cut, and then you know, people kind of breathing in a sigh of relief. But yeah. ultimately, that'll be reflected in their net interest margin. And so I saw, saw a chart today with the RBA rate increases uh, in this cycle and how the bank, you know, the banks are always the whipping boy when rates go up, everyone hates them and they put their rates up, all that sort of. With home loan rates, they haven't passed on the full RBA rate increase uh, because of competition in the home loan It's ANZ, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, all yeah. Of, yeah, yeah. yeah, but ANZ, what ANZ has been really uh, aggressive, aggressive on the rates. Yeah. It's forcing the others to sort of match it, otherwise, just lose market share. Yeah, 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 and that's where the margins are falling. They're not happy yeah. about it because usually they're all working concert, yeah. even though they don't really. But you no, know, wink, wink, no, no. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> the regionals have also been uh, mm. seeing solid. Uh, lending growth as well, which is really yeah. quite interesting. So they've got sticky lending growth. It's been rising yeah. a little bit more than the big banks, which is which is good for them. But do you still like Macquarie? Yeah. Oh, but I don't know if they'd buy it now. I'd have to have a look at it. Yeah. But I'm not. I'm not because they, uh, yeah. they they put out a fairly bearish yeah. statement today. Well, so what, you, what you want to say? They're going to be under pressure for a while. If you find a business that you like and it has been very very good historically and has great management and consistently delivers, you want to buy them when there's bad news. Right. So they bring out a bearish statement. That's when you buy. Mm. As long as the price comes down. Are you a Macquarie fan? Uh, yeah, I think so. And the reason is because of their asset management business. Yeah. Right. So I think that'll probably see a recovery. Um, into 2024, and that's that, that's a tailwind. And also their commodity business. Remember, years back they made a record amount from their yep. commodity business, and uh, with commodities, are likely to see a pickup in 2024. That's that's mm. probably going to be you know okay. a bumper rubber rubber stamp on Macquarie's no, books. Yeah, okay. just, just looking at it, it's, we're showing 13 percent return, so it's not spectacular, right? Because of where it's at at the moment, it's in the mid range of its peer at 15. So it's not, it hasn't been doing brilliantly well lately. I've got a 10% average EPS growth rate over the last 10 years okay. per year, All right. which is pretty good you know, yeah. compared to, that's better than I think any of the companies we've looked at. So, sure. All right, our final stop, Max wants to view Jessica on Iris, the big uh, financial services software data provider uh, here, Asia, UK, Europe, North America. So I think one of the things, I guess, if I could take away one thing, one dominant theme from from our chat is when we look for quality, I think about recurring revenue. And that's probably why I like Iris. So 83% of their revenue is from software licenses. Mm -hmm. Um, 
it has though if you if you look at its shares i mean it, it's an interesting chart it's actually well it ha- had a terrible uh didn't update which you saw in uh, august there and is climbing back new management as well new chief executive yep turning the business around did some layoffs as well yeah so a lot of layoffs cutting costs and it's yep. also paying the highest dividend in the financial software space in the ASX 200. Mm -hmm. So I guess that is compelling for a lot of instos that hold it. Interestingly, um, I guess it makes sense because of its share price valuation and because of that pullback that you're speaking about, Koji, and that we're seeing, we've actually seen the most upgrades in Iris um, in the financial um, ASX 200 space in the past Mm -hmm. month. Okay. So market's starting to get confident yeah. back in it, as you can see with the share price rebound Cocky there. Confident or confident? Yeah, okay. I think, I think confident that they could have a turnaround year. Um, so uh, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. But you know, I don't really think it's that compelling in terms of exciting gangbuster growth. Okay. Um, yeah, I think so, there there are better financial players out there. So no for you? No. Okay. Um, it's. I agree with what's been said about <clears throat> the reoccurring earnings. It's been around for a long time, but if you look at ten years, basically their earnings have they're, they're flat over, over ten years, which there hasn't really been any growth. If, if I look back and say, well, what were their earnings per share in two thousand fourteen? Thirty four cents. What are they this year? Oh, negative thirty one. Well, it's made a big loss on the last report before right. that. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. That that 35, was, that 35 was the cents. big drop. Hello, exactly the same as it was in two thousand fourteen. <laughs> and right. you go like yawn. Yeah. So now, if you're going to buy that sort of, those sort of earnings, it's got to be sub 10 PE, and it's never been. Iris has always had a high PE, like ASX. You know, it's a bit of a market yeah. darling. I don't know why. Yeah. Because you look at the the evidence from the point of view of what you get as a return, it doesn't justify a high PE. So its PE's typically been 37, 40, and so on. It's currently 7.8. Right. So I can see why people are getting excited about excited about it. I don't know why the earnings fell off a cliff. Because I haven't looked at it. Yeah. Uh, and you would assume it'd probably bounce back, and we've got the new management and so on. Yep. So it might be all right, but it's a, it's long term. It should have been at a much lower PE to give you a return based on its earnings. It's like right. ASX. Right. Returns woeful because of, and then by the way, these guys pay out more than their earnings in uh, dividend. Last year was 131 percent, 125 percent the year before. So I'm not sure how what the dynamic in the business is that they can do that, but they're yeah. paying out more than the the okay. uh, after-tax earnings All right. in dividends. Okay. REITs do it yeah, because yeah. they're doing it with debt, you know, so they're using yeah. borrowed funds. I don't know how these guys do that. Okay. Do you know? All right. I don't know. But I think if you think about this, this company, so how many financial organisations are there around Australia uh, that actually need their software? And how many companies, new financial companies, are popping up that will demand their software? And how many other competitor software providers are there that we know? Yeah. So I just think that it is... Plenty. Yeah, so the, the margin growth is not significant. So no. I don't really think it's that compelling. Okay. All right, let's recap the uh, final five stocks. Uh, De Grey is a buy from Jessica, a no from Mark. Um, Rio is a hold from Jess, a no from Mark. If it got down to $110, it'd be worth a look. Um, Universal, a no from both. Um, We have much better retailers, according to Jessica and Mark. Uh, JB Hi-Fi, Premier Investments. Mark's always been a big fan of Nick Scarley and JB Hi-Fi as well. Uh, Commonwealth Bank, a no from both. 
Here you go. Commonwealth Bank is $107 at the moment. Mark says on his filters, he would buy it at 56. So it's a long way from $107. You can hold me to that. Well. It goes down to 56, yeah. I'm buying it. Yeah, okay. You need uh, a to, pandemic or GFC. To, to get, get the return. Uh, and it's a no from uh, uh, from both on Iris as well. Jessica Amir from Moving, good to see you. Thank you, uh, Mark Muller from you. Team Invest, likewise. Good to have you, you aboard. You. Uh, terrific show today. If you've got any stocks you'd like me to put to our expert panel, uh, go to osbiz.co slash callpicks or tweet us on X using the at osbiztv handle. And like today from a number of viewers, they added their own comments or questions attached to the stocks. And we always love that. Stick around. The Pulse is next. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.